you know, for a while, the Lord's been speaking to me about his power, his anointing, and we did a whole series on Church Powerful, and um, last week we spoke about subduing, and the week before, subduing the enemy for the power of, of the Holy Spirit, and that kind of theme is still with me very strongly because I do believe that uh, God is preparing the church uh, for the end, really the end times. We are so close. If you look at what's going on around the world, we are so close to, I believe, what the Bible speaks about being the rapture. And during that period of time, until this happens, the church needs to rise in the, in the power, the anointing, and so on. We cannot continue uh, being complacent as a people of God. So today I'm going to continue along similar lines, and I want to talk about releasing greater measures of the power and presence of God in your life. Releasing greater measures of the power and presence of God in your life. Now, one of the characteristics that was very prevalent in the New Testament church was a deep manifestation of the power and presence of God that was experienced by the believers. And if you read the book of Acts and so on, you will see how this was actually very prevalent in, in the early church. The display of the supernatural was commonplace amongst the apostles and the miracles, the miraculous followed their ministry continuously. Wherever they went, the miraculous and the supernatural became very manifest. In effect, the early church continued the ministry of Jesus in the earth, as if Jesus himself was ministering to the people. And that is the call on the end-time church. I do believe that the end-time church needs to become like the New Testament church, as it was in those days. But you know, the sad thing is, it did not take long for this to begin to change. Only, only a few decades later, a few decades, not a long time, the spirit of religion began to influence the people of God so significantly that their focus began to change. And one thing we need to understand about religion, religion is a spirit. And that spirit is not of God. How do we know this? It's because... The spirit of religion tries to dampen the power of God. And without that power, you can't influence, affect, make an impact in the, spiritual, in, in the, in the world of, of spiritual darkness. And how do I know this, that the spirit of religion is not of God? It's because it stops you from impacting the world of, a, of spiritual darkness and will do everything in his power to do that. Now, you see, God never intended man to pursue religion. He intended man to pursue a deep, re deep relationship with him, not religion. These are two different things. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I define religion as man-made version of God. This, this is my definition of religion. 
And so God doesn't want man to reinvent him. He's God. You can't reinvent God. God is God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never change. I'm the Lord. I do not change. And so you can't reinvent God and give your, make your own version. Those of you who grew up like me in, 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 in religious uh, denominations, you'll, hear, you'll see people, in fact, say, well, I'm sure God doesn't do it like this. I'm sure God is not like that. And it's not biblical. They make their own version of God. That's religion. And that spirit comes from the world of spiritual darkness. doesn't come from God. So we need to understand that the spirit of religion is a principality of darkness that seeks to rob believers of a power and the presence of God in their lives. Do you know you can have a relationship with a church? I grew up like this. I didn't have a relationship with God. I had a relationship with a church, with all their rituals and all their feasts and all of these things. And uh, that's the relationship I had. I had a relationship with a church. Some people think if you have a relationship with a church, you have a relationship with God. That's not true. There's a big difference between the two. Amen? So that spirit of religion is extremely active in the church and very successful in moving the people of God sometimes away from what the church is meant to be. Why is it active in the church? Because that's the area where it wants to stop the manifestation of a power and of a presence of God because that's, that's where it happens. It happens amongst believers, amongst the church, the people of God. And that spirit of religion will do everything in its power to make the church become religious and not on fire for God. You know, religious will dampen your fire. I can, I can promise you that. If you get into religion, your fire will progressively come to an end. So what is the church meant to be? Well, amongst other things, it's meant to be a formidable, anointed, and spiritually powerful army for the Lord in the earth. That's what the church is meant to be. That's the people of God. That's what the church, the church is not a building. It's, it's not these beautiful cathedrals. I mean, they are beautiful, sure. They're great. They're words of, they, they are works of great architecture and awesome to behold. But you know what? Without the presence, the power of God, they are like tombs. Dead people tombs. You know, if you look at, at the structure of a, of a church building, and that's where your focus is, you miss God. God doesn't need a church building. We do. We, we need a church building to protect us from the sun and, 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 and the rain and the wind and that kind of thing. God doesn't need a church building. Amen? So the church, the church building is not the church. Unfortunately, we say, I'm going to church, and, and, and we mean I'm going to a certain place where there's a church building. We shouldn't be going to church. We are the church going to worship God. It can be underneath a tree or it can be in a building and it can be in your house. It can be anywhere. We are the church going to worship God. There are practical reasons why we have church buildings, obviously. But the church building is not the church. Amen. So the church is meant to be this formidable, anointed, spiritually powerful army for the Lord 
in the earth. Amen. An army that makes itself ready for battle, equipped with the full armor of God, and ready to take territory away from the devil and to establish the kingdom of God in the earth. That's why we are here. That was the ministry of Jesus. So Paul writes to the Ephesian church and he says this to them. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Because unless you are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, you cannot fulfill what Jesus intended the church to fulfill. Because you are dealing with spiritual things, with spiritual darkness, and you need the power of God's might, and you need to be strong in him in order to do this. So we've got to be spiritually strong. We can't be spiritually weak. And in verse 12 of that same uh, chapter, Ephesians 6, Paul gives us the reasons why this is so important. So he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the air. In, he calls it in heavenly places, but it's talking of the second heaven. The second heaven is the domain of darkness, where the spirits of darkness operate from. And that's what Paul's talking about. The sad thing is, when we look at today's church in general, it is sometimes far away from that call. Through the, the centuries, church has, has often become more religious, giving in to, the, to religion rather than this fantastic close relationship with God. Today, the church is often unaware of the fact that we are in a spiritual war. Do you know that you're in a spiritual war right now? Right now. You're in a spiritual war. And that there is an enemy out there whose aim is to destroy the plan of God wherever he can. Wherever he can. He will take every opportunity. You see, the church of today can be so focused on pursuing the blessings of God that we become oblivious of our arch enemy. Most of the people of God are pursuing the blessing. When we know that very well, the Bible says, don't pursue the blessing. The blessing will follow you if you first seek the kingdom of God. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. I'm not going to follow the blessing or pursue the blessing. It pursues me. But there's a condition. The Lord has to be my shepherd. I have to be serving the Lord with all my, all my heart. I've got to be seeking God, seeking his kingdom first and his righteousness. And all these things be added unto me. So the church of today can be so focused in pursuing the blessings of God, we become oblivious to our arch enemy and of our mission, which is to destroy his works and establish God's kingdom in the earth. The church of today is often content with being comfortable, blessed without having to do much for the Lord. Majority of Christians Come to church on a Sunday, that's the beginning and the end of a Christian walk. Church, this is terrible. I will spend every ounce of energy to teach you that that's not God's intention for the people of God. God's intention is for us to be a formidable army for him in this earth. Not fighting one another, 
but fighting spirit principalities, powers of darkness in the spirit through prayer and intercession and, and, and all of these things and spiritual warfare. Declaring the word of God, praying for those who are sick, believing God for the miraculous so that people can be set free. That was the ministry of Jesus. So the apostle Paul writes to his spiritual son Timothy and he describes how the spirit of religion works in people. He wants him, by the way, to run away from these people who give place to that spirit. That you can find in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. And he describes these people like this. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Wow. Let me tell you, I found this, the denomination I grew up with, you know, we went to church every Sunday and we sat down and we stood and we knelt and, and you know, and the priests made little crosses all over the place. And, he, you know, there was holy water and incense and all of these things. But there was no power. You ask any of these people to pray for the sick and release the healing, they, they look at you like you owe them money. Like you've descended from planet Mars. There was no power in these places. It was devoid. Beautiful cathedrals and basilicas. I grew up with them. Gothic style. Empty tombs. Only dead men in there. Or dead people. No power. Sorry, church, but this thing gets my goat going. So Paul writes to Timothy, he says, having a form of godliness, denying its power, and he's talking of the religious people. And from such people, run away, Paul said. Turn away from them. Don't associate with them. In other words, that person looks all holy. The denomination I grew up with, the, the, the men used to wear dresses, you know. Nice gold and purple hats and man, they walked around like this at about 0.2 of a kilometer an hour because that looks holy. Well, let me tell you, there's no power there. You know, you, you can drink holy water till you blew in the face. There's no power. Won't give you any anointing. I promise you. So, they look holy. They look godly in appearance. But there's no spiritual power in those people. Therefore, that person becomes an ineffective soldier in the army of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what the devil wants. I remember praying for a pastor in one of those denominations, not the one I grew up with. He had back problems. The poor guy could hardly stand. And we said to him, well, pray for God to heal your back. He said, no, I can't do that. This is a pastor. He's a minister. Been ministering for 30 years. Wasn't a young man. He, he asked Pastor Lindsay, my wife, he said, please, you, 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 you put your hand and you pray for me. He didn't even have an inkling that he could pray for healing for his body and believe God for it. That's religion. You see, by the time Paul was grooming his spiritual son, Timothy, the sp that spirit of religion had already infiltrated the church. And Paul issues a stern warning to Timothy. He said, get away from there because you're going to get affected if you're not careful. So the people of God should hunger and thirst for a much greater level of power and presence of God in their lives than is currently experienced in general in the church. I want to say to you, God has raised me right now in this end time season to preach, come back to the real thing. 
Don't practice religion because it's comfortable. Get out of your comfort zone and do something for Jesus. Believe him for the miraculous to work in and through you. Believe him for, your, for his anointing. Believe him for his power and his presence to be manifest in and through your life. This is where we need to get to. You see, Paul calls the church back to that. Reason being, it's the only way to deal with the enemy whose desire is to render the church powerless against his plans and purposes. You see, the enemy's got plans and purposes. It's called destruction, right, in all kinds of forms. And when you become full of the power and the anointing and you have the confidence and the boldness to challenge him, he knows when you come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he has to bow down. So he will do everything to make you apathetic, religious, comfortable, so that you don't get on with the true work of God. Now, pressing in for greater measures of the power and the presence of God in our lives requires more than just attending church services once a week or watching a live stream. If it's all, all you're going to do, that's all you're going to get. Amen? I want to give you a couple of things that it requires. Number one, it requires spending quality time with God and in his word daily. Daily. Making room for the word to transform our inner man. You need to make time daily. Quality time for God and for his word. Number two. It requires developing a deep hunger and thirst for God and the things of God. You've got to become hungry and thirsty for more of the presence of God and more of the things of God. Amen. Remember what Jesus said in John 7, verses 37 and 38. On that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Rivers. I want to talk about this soon. Down the road, the rivers that flow from the throne of God that are meant to flow out of us. These are rivers of his power. And they take various forms. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Amen. So you have to develop a deep hunger and thirst for God. Number three, it requires a focus to be maintained in our lives on the things that matter to God. So that we understand more and more the ways of God. How he works. Amen. Number four. It requires desiring more of God to the place that he becomes the one we long for more than anything else. More than anything else. Let me tell you that's more easily said than done. Because in this world we are so tempted to so many different things. But we have to remain focused on God. Desiring more of him above everything else. And number five, it requires pursuing a deep relationship and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit. Remember the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God given to the church to empower it spiritually. So that it can operate in the supernatural power of God. You can read that, the book of Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2. It's clear, it's very clear there. Holy Spirit is there to help us connect with God because in our own strength, we don't know how. We need him to help us connect with God. He's our helper, the one that comes alongside us to make it possible for us to connect with God 
at deeper levels. You know, I've heard a few testimonies through the years of those who have had a very powerful ministry. And the more I read or hear of his testimonies, the more I realize that their walk with God and their fellowship with the Holy Spirit became more and more intense. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You must never believe that because you're not a pastor or a prophet that you cannot have a powerful ministry. I know that from, from my own first-hand experience. I was still working. I was still working for Standard Bank for many years. And yet God did amazing things because from day one, the day I gave my heart to the Lord, the day I got filled with the Spirit, I said, I said to the Lord, here I am, Lord, use me. And I started making an impact in my workplace. People got healed. People, I mean, I, I heard some of the miracles 20 years later about some of the things that took place. You can have a ministry like this. You don't have to be in the pulpit for that. You can go and pray for sick. You can go and pray for, I used to go to a home for alcoholics and pray for them and minister and worship. Took my guitar there and sang and worshiped God. And these people got touched. Some of them got delivered. Praise God. So God will use you if you are faithful and if you are available and if you hunger and thirst for more of him and more of his power. Amen. Now, I do understand that different callings require different anointings, but all of us are called to the ministry of Jesus that he entrusts to us. Making disciples, speaking with new tongues. Do you speak in tongues, by the way? If you don't, come and speak to us. We'll pray for you. Casting out devils, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, raising the dead, preaching the gospel with power. We are all called to do that in various forms and ways. So I want to encourage you to develop more of the power, the presence of God in your life. Mark chapter 16, these were the last words of Jesus. He said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. And he sent his disciples out. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. If you say you're a believer, these signs should follow you. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. You know, I want to encourage you. Some of you haven't been in church for a year and a half because you're afraid. Man, don't be afraid. Pray that God's protection is over you. And speak to COVID-19. We do. I do. I say, COVID-19, you will not come on me. In Jesus' name, I rebuke you. And then walk forward with boldness and do the work of Jesus. Amen. Make this a goal in your life. And may your life leave an impact, impactful legacy for the Lord Jesus Christ in this world. Amen. In your sphere of influence, that's all God requires of you. Your sphere of influence. Amen. So, releasing greater measures of the power and the presence of God in your life. So you listen to this message again until you get the gist of it. I know I spoke about a lot of things. But it's time for the church to arise and be the church and not continue to play church. Amen. So I want to encourage you. We are allowed now to have 
We have a, a, about 100 chairs out every Sunday. Come and fill those chairs. Bring your family. Let's pray. Let's believe God for his protection. But let's get back into fellowship and let's begin to receive the anointing again in the corporate gathering of the saints. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, perhaps you've been watching this, this message and never given your heart to Jesus. I want to tell you it all begins there. You can't go into, get into that level of a presence and the, and the anointing and the power of God until you first, you take the very first step, which is to bring Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior. He came and died for you 2,000 years ago. He went to the cross so that you can be set free from the power of sin, from the power of sickness and disease and, and all of these things and poverty. Do you want that? If you do, you need to receive him as your Lord and Savior. And this morning, you can do that. Very simply, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. All you have to do is do it from your heart and bring Jesus. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Jesus is ready for you. Are you ready for him? If you are, just pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I want you in my life. I don't want to continue the way I've been going the past years. I realize I need you more than anything else in this time and season. I ask you to come into my heart now and be my Lord and my Savior from this day forward. I surrender my life to you and I ask you to take me by the hand and walk me on the journey of my destiny that you have for me. So Lord, forgive my sins and forgive my past. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, the Bible says to all who received him, to them, he gave power to become children of God. Do you know that if you made, they made that prayer from your heart today and you received Jesus from your heart, you are now a child of God. You are now a child of God. I just want to welcome you to the family of God. Please, if you've been watching over the live stream and perhaps you've done this prayer, will you click the button that says, I'm a new believer? Or send us a message on the chat. Give us your name, your contact details. We want to just help you take your first steps as a Christian, as a new believer. We want to give you materials and so on. So please get in touch with us. We'd really like that. And we want to be to help you and come alongside you. Amen. Praise God.